yoga teachers, mindfulness leaders, and energy workers. Are you ready to stop side hustling and start making an income doing what you love? Welcome to the Marketing Off The Mat Podcast. Each week, your host, Jessica Cross, dives into conversations with successful creatives in wellness, business, marketing, and more to uncover practical methods to take your business from A to B and have some fun along the way. Grab some tea and pull up a seat. Let's dive into this episode. Hey, I'm so glad you're here. This is Marketing Off the Mat, and it's just your host. I'm so glad that you're here. This is such an incredible chat that I had with my friend, Nicole D'Andrea. She is a business coach for yoga studio owners and wellness practitioners. Her main goal is to help women in the wellness community stop undervaluing themselves and their businesses. We dive all the way into building a profitable yoga studio. And if you're not even interested in studio ownership, this is still a great chat for you because we talk about all things mindset, profitability, and how to reach your right fit client. It's such a good chat. So let's dive in. Hey, Nicole, how are you? Hey, Jessica. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh my goodness. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm just so excited to dive into all of your wisdom and genius and building a profitable yoga studio. And it's just going to be so great. Thank you. I'm excited to dive in. Yeah. So we heard a little bit about you in the intro, but I can imagine that's just the tip of all your amazingness. So tell us a little bit about your journey, your yoga journey, and also like how you got going into your career. Okay, sure. So let's see here. Where do I begin? I found yoga in college. Um, Like everyone else in the world, I was seeking some sort of stress relief and ease from the pressures of life in your early 20s. So um, I took my first yoga class begrudgingly, but I absolutely fell in love with it by the end of it. It was like, it was a long time ago. So it was a super old school class. We did this like B nostril breathing. I thought it was the weirdest thing ever, but I had such a profound experience in Shavasana at the end of class that I knew I had to make it uh, my mission to figure out what had happened to me. So um, that's where my yoga journey began. I went to school for exercise physiology and ended up working as an exercise physiologist in a geriatric rehab for about eight or nine years. And while I loved that work of helping people feel better in their bodies, it was always sort of nagging at me that our medical system disregarded the role of the mind in wellness. And I was really feeling called to help people have a more holistic experience. Um, Around the same time, I became a yoga teacher. I did the traveling yoga teacher thing for a good long time. Um, and I bumped up against this point in my life where I had to make a choice about what I wanted to do for work. I wanted to make it my career. Um, I always joke that I had two options. I could either become a career Instagram retreat leading famous yogi. Just kidding. I don't know if that was in the cards for me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, or I could open a studio. And the stars aligned and I found the space and like every other yoga studio owner, I know I had no clue what I was doing. 
no clue. I knew I loved yoga. I knew I wanted to share it, but definitely had zero experience in running a business. Um, but what I did have was a lot of experience working in other people's yoga studios. And I couldn't help but notice that of the 20 or so studios that I'd worked at in my life, 19 of them were struggling. And, and then this was even like, well, well, well before COVID. So um, it's, it's a business that has been challenging for a lot of people. So even though I didn't know what I was doing, I knew I had to do it differently. And I made it my job to pick the brain of the one yoga studio owner I knew who was killing it. So I found a mentor from day one. Um, she was kind enough to stay with me for my first years of studio ownership and really kind of guide me through um, setting up things properly. And then something sort of magical happened, which was all of the yoga studio owners from my past started reaching out to me and saying like, hey, how have you been able to do this so quickly? So I started uh, donating my time and accidentally consulting with other business owners and really, really found a need there. Um, there is just a lack of business education in this particular industry. Um, gosh, I feel like I'm going on a long time. It's a long story. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so I started consulting, donating my time, consulting, found the need. And then I really wanted to up-level my skills. I wanted to be able to consult with different types of businesses, larger businesses. And I wanted to make sure that my recommendations were really rooted in what's worked for the broader industry and not just what I happened to think was a good idea for my little studio. And so I got some training and education. I became a MindBody certified business consultant. MindBody is a, a giant in the boutique fitness industry, and they've got a lot of insight and data into what works for um, thousands of studios versus you know, just little old me in New Jersey. So um, I've got that kind of feather in my cap. And then uh, more recently, I became a Martha Beck certified Wayfinder Life Coach because I wanted to approach my strategic work with studio owners with also a softer side, a mindset side, because a woman's mindset is so important. I believe that her business is an expression of herself. I believe that the way that she approaches her business is the way that she approaches everything. And I really wanted to equip my clients with the tools to um, stand empowered in holding smart boundaries and making smart business decisions and really develop the confidence they need to succeed. So that's me in a nutshell. Um, and here we are today. Oh my goodness. What a cool journey that you've been on. <laughs> I love it. And I, I noticed a little theme because, you know, when you're in the medical community, you're noticing there was this disconnect between the physical and the mental, emotional aspects. And you've brought that also those two pieces back together as you're working in, you know, you know, basically like data numbers and seeing there's more to it than just this spreadsheet. There's also how this business owner is approaching their business, as you said, it's an expression of them. So it's not separate. It's all in one. I it's love that. not separate. And I think most yoga people can come to the conclusion that you can't disregard the role of the mind. It's so, so powerful. Yeah, it's so true. It's so true. So you've done it all. Basically, you've had multiple different versions of your career. It's so cool. And I love that you were just like, tenacious and like, I'm going to 
figure this out. People are asking for this. I'm going to, I'm going to say, yes, I'm going to donate my time. And then it's successful. So you get more training and you continue on and on. It's so amazing. So, and you owned our own currently a yoga studio. It's the truth. Yeah. I, um, I like to keep myself busy. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> I can't stay still for long. I am a serial entrepreneur, a lifetime learner. I can't, I'm always like, I've either got my nose in a book or I'm in some sort of course. I just, that is something I have for sure learned about myself is that I am just moving, moving, moving. And I'm a, and Martha Beck calls it a quick start. I'm a quick start. I just, I get an idea and it comes to life and some of them are good, some aren't, but um, that's just who I am. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love it. It's just so, so inspiring just to get out there and just start. Um, so tell me a little bit about, so yoga studio ownership is, you know, kind of at the crux of what we're talking about today and then how to have a profitable yoga studio in this, whatever world gestures wildly that we're living in today. (laughs) So how has the pandemic shaped your approach to a profitable yoga studio? Sure. Um, gosh, well, There is no training in the world that prepares you for a global pandemic. I mean, I was in meetings with the CEO of major companies in this, in this business. And even they were kind of scratching their heads saying, holy crackers, what are we going to do? So um, it was a really stressful time for me as a business consultant, because you're right. I was kind of navigating it myself in my own studio business and almost instantly on March 14th or whatever that date was, um, I had a flooded inbox, emails, text messages, phone calls. What do I do? What do I do? What do I do? Like I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it was pretty, it was pretty stressful um, to say the least. The one, you know, I, I'm not um, a magician. I don't, have, um, I didn't have a magic wand to foresee this. And I lost about half of my business as a result of the pandemic, just like everyone else. Um, I was really fortunate in that half of my business was enough to get by for those couple of months. And I was also fortunate that I already had an online business in the form of my coaching business. So I was able to be pretty nimble and, you know, move my studio online very, very quickly. Um, I think, I believe it was the morning of March 14th that we had our first online class, Zoom links, the whole thing set up. Um, And that wasn't because I was a genius with tons of foresight. It's because I happened to be on Zoom all day anyway. (laughs) So, um, so gosh, but what have I learned? Um, One, there's no one size fits all approach to studio ownership. Um, It's super important that anyone with a business has a niche and they've got a unique selling proposition and they are crystal clear on what that is. And that was important before when we were talking about brick and mortar studios, because you and I both know that the ongoing story about the yoga industry is that it's a saturated market, right? Well, what do you do when it's a saturated market? You've got to stand out and you've got to stand out for a reason other than your price. It's it, You can't be the cheapest game in town. It's especially when you're playing in a saturated market where there are a lot of other studios trying to do the exact same thing. So the strategy of trying to go for a ton of clients and have them pay, you know, dirt cheap prices didn't work in, in COVID. Um, we had to learn how to make the business work with a smaller number of people, which means increased prices, 
more brand clarity, um, and a comfort level with saying, hey, this is not my client, and I'm going to have to be okay with that when I have six mats available in class. So, God, I feel like I just ran in uh, like my whole profitable studio strategy program in 30 seconds. But what I'm trying to say, <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that not everyone is your client, and I think the pandemic made it crystal clear that we had to find ways to make this work with fewer people, which meant a business upgrade for all of us. Hmm. Yeah. Ooh. So like so many gems in, in what you just <laughs> had to share. Like, Ooh, yeah. Not everyone's our client. That's right. That's, that's one that's really sticking out to me. And it is so easy for us, you know, as teachers, as studio owners to want to compete basically based on price. And when we see people not coming in the door or joining the zoom, it's like, all right, cut prices, cut prices, cut prices, but mm. It's a race to the bottom. Exactly. Oh my gosh, you took the words right out of my mouth. It is a race to the bottom indeed. And no one wants to go to the bottom anyway. Like we don't need the cheapest yoga class. We couldn't afford to before. And we certainly couldn't after COVID. Amen. That, you know, you so, you nailed it right there. (laughs) It's all about having that very clear lane that your studio or your classes lives in and people know what they're going to get from you versus the, you know, I look at some studios or some teachers class slate and it just says yoga class. And I'm like, what? I can get that at the gym. I can get that exactly and pay a lot less and probably probably get less as well. So it's all about getting super, super clear with what it is that you offer because you want to be clear with who you attract as well. Exactly. Exactly. And I think like I was trying to teach people that before COVID, but then when it came down to, I have to a either make it work with formats in my in my studio or B, I have to try to stand out online where the competition is fierce. I mean, if there is one piece of business wisdom I can impart on anyone listening to this, it's know your client avatar, know who you're trying to attract and stand really firm and confident in that. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we, I, I, I read a statistic recently that the pandemic technologically pushed us forward 10 years mm-hmm. as far as like how, how we, how we do business. And, and that goes to the yoga industry as well. So, you know what, I don't know about you and you were probably so buried in your, like helping your clients and in your, and your studio, but I took classes from literally everybody. <laughs> Yeah, like it opened everything up. And so that's that, as you were saying, it is fierce. And that's, that is not going to help your quote unquote, unbranded yoga class. Not at all. all. Yeah, not at all. And, you know, I had a few people come to me and say, this is so exciting. I'm going to attract clients from all over the world. I'm like, cool. Not with general yoga for everybody. I always like cringe when I see that on a website. Yoga for everybody. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's yoga for nobody. <laughs> yeah, it's yoga for nobody. That's right. <laughs> I still get some pushback when I talk to people about this, but I, I so believe in it. That's true. And I think all of those, those marketing messages come from a good place. It's like, we want people to feel, we want everybody to feel welcome in our studio. But when we're marketing to everybody, as we were saying, we don't market to anybody really. It's right. Yoga is for everybody, but your yoga studio is not for everybody. And that's the distinction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a really, really good point. So 
you know, as you, as you're helping these business owners, you know, in the past, in the past couple of years and in moving into today, you know, how are you helping folks really become profitable and thrive in addition to, you know, being clear with their niche, understanding who their client is, who they want to attract. Yeah. So how that's the first phase. All right. So yes, brand identity is the first phase of what I do with all of my clients because it's so critical um, to the rest of the t- decision making that we that we do together. Um, it's really important that you know who your client is when you're deciding what they can and will pay. It's really important that you know who your client is when you're trying to decide the marketing strategies that are going to appeal to them. So it's all under the umbrella of understanding who you are. But then um, we work very closely or I work very closely with my clients on understanding their numbers. And most people who open yoga businesses don't have a strong grasp on their finances, to put it kindly. Uh, I certainly didn't when I started out. So I don't say that with any judgment at all. But um, I talked to a lot of studio owners who say, I've never looked at my numbers. I've never done my books. I've, you know, I have no idea what a KPI is, a key performance indicator. And I see it as my job to educate them and empower them to actually look through their data and interpret what it means. So we go through all of the metrics together, everything from profitability to attendance, retention, marketing efficacy, all of that, to see where the holes are that need to be plugged up, to find the opportunities and to develop a unique strategy to make them better. Um, So that's sort of the second phase of what I do with my clients. We talk about pricing. We talk about retention. That's a super, super important aspect of a yoga business. Um, If I had a dollar for every time someone told me that they just needed more butts on mats, they just needed more bodies in the studio, uh, I'd probably never work again. But the truth is that most studios have more than sufficient new client volume, but those clients aren't sticking. They don't stay. They take a class and they leave, or the studio has no process for nurturing that client so that they decide to become a member. Um, And that's a huge opportunity for the vast majority of studios that I work with is really building in that, you know, heartfelt nurture process in order to build the relationship with that prospective client and embed them in their community. So um, that's a huge part of what I do. And then of course, you know, brand awareness, amplifying their uh, mission and values and making sure that we get as many eyeballs on on their paper as we possibly can is typically the end of what I do in my program, as well as weaving throughout coaching, mindset work, loving awareness, <laughs> um, and, and future planning, goal setting. Mm, so essential, like all of the things that you're talking about, just I don't know, A, A, make my heart flutter because I'm a business nerd, but B, like for the folks that are listening, like if you're a studio owner, I just, I love what you said too, is like, even, even you who has incredible background and knowledge and as a business owner, you, when you started your, your studio, you weren't really familiar with your numbers. And, Absolutely not. I uh, had to I, learn. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for saying that. Cause I feel yeah. like there might be a little bit of shame for studio owners where they're like, you know, I don't even want to look like we put the mm-hmm. blinders on. They don't want to know what's behind the spreadsheet or on the spreadsheet, I guess. Um, it's, it's this, uh, this innate, like, you know, worry, I'm just not going to look at it, or I'm afraid to ask for help because I know it's going to be really bad. I'll be judged, but it's actually like, 
very, very common in beyond the yoga industry too. Oh gosh. Yeah. Very common, um, for folks to ignore the pieces of their business that they feel a sense of inadequacy around. Mm. And that's okay. It's okay. Like no one is good at everything. No one is born good. They have to ask for help. They've got to learn. They've got to commit to it. Um, it's okay. Right. But what's not okay is to continually sweep it under the rug and allow what could have been a simple fix to build into a catastrophic issue in their business. And it's like uh, doing this same yoga pose on one side over and over again, and like never using your left arm. Like eventually that left arm is gonna get really weak and your entire body is going to be out of whack and out of alignment. It's the same thing. Every piece of your business hinges on each other. Your brand identity impacts your pricing, your pricing impacts your revenue, your revenue impacts your decision-making ability, whether or not you're approaching your business with fear or trust, right? So it's all related. And when you're neglecting one arm, the whole body is off. So Mm -hmm. you got to look under the hood. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so good. That's, it's so true. I'm so glad that you're empowering business owners to understand that it's, that it's okay. Like it's, it's very normal. It's very relatable and it's fixable. It's It's so fixable. fixable. It's all fixable. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've talked a lot about mindset as well. And I love that you have, you've done work with Martha Beck. She's incredible because as we were saying, everything is intertwined. So what does the leaders, the studio owners or lead teachers, however, that, that business is, is, um, is built, like how does their mindset really come into play when it comes to building a profitable studio? I think the most important thing to recognize in any business is whether or not you're making your decisions from a place of trust or from a place of fear. And fear-based decision-making manifests itself as paying your teachers the absolute bare minimum for classes when they're not full or um, not spending a single dime on advertising because you're afraid it won't turn into anything or saying yes to everything. When a client calls and asks for yoga with goats, even though you've never thought about that a day in your life, trying to scramble and make it happen because the dollars are green and every penny counts, that's fear-based decision-making. And that's when people get really, really stuck. So the number one tool I can, I can give anyone listening to this is when you're considering a decision in your business, Martha Beck calls it the five whys. Ask yourself why, why am I making this decision to say yes to kids yoga when I don't offer it? Because I'm afraid that the money won't come in from somewhere else. Why? Because I've felt this sense of lack my entire life. And, you know, you can always drill five layers deeper into the reason you're making these misguided decisions. And when it ultimately comes down to, I'm afraid that probably not the right move. When the decision comes from a place of trust and a a place of innate knowing who you're here to serve, who you're meant to serve, what you do and only you can do, 
those are the best decisions. Mm, that's oh, so good. I love that. You really can drill down to all of these little details just by asking why. And that's, it's so, that's so simple. approachable. Yeah. Why? why? I, and I use that with my clients all the time. I can't raise my prices. Why? I don't want to speak it (laughs) because, you know, because everyone will leave me and then I'll be left with nothing. And then I'll, you know, um, end up on the streets. And then, and then of course we've got to challenge that thought, right? Is that true? Is that true? And then we end up in the same place. (laughs) Right. Right. It's, and it's almost too, you know, when we're talking about mindset and coaching and life coaching, a lot of it is simply just speaking and getting the stuff out of your head, either onto paper or into the world and actually like witnessing it. It's like, Mm. am I going to be out on the streets if I don't do kids yoga? Probably not. Yeah. And when you (laughs) say it, right, it sounds so ridiculous. Yeah which is why coaching is so powerful because when you just said that to me, I was like, gosh, that's so silly, but we get so hung up in the mind stuff in the mind trash, that it's really hard to see clearly. And that is probably half of what I do in my work is just hold up a mirror to my clients and say, is that true? Is that, and it's, it's so powerful to have a sounding board like that. Mm. Oh yes. Coaching is incredible. And I I love it. Yes, there really is. really. I have like two or three coaches at any one given time. Me too. (laughs) Firm believer. Absolutely. (laughs) So good. So if you could go back at any point in your career and say a little something, maybe whisper it into your ear to help you with a sleepless night or avoid a major headache in your business, what would it be? Mm. Do it right the first time. I feel like one of the fear-based decisions that we all make, and myself included, is we try to do things either inexpensively or quickly just for the sake of getting them done. And then we say, oh, I'll, you know, I'll invest in a website later, or I'll hire a team member when I can afford it. And nearly always that's that ends up not being a good decision. Um, So even when it feels like a big investment of money or a big investment of energy and time, um, it's always a better, the better way to set things up properly and fix your problems for good. Like one of the things this manifests as in my own studio is sometimes um, something will happen with a staff member. They need to, I don't know, for example, learn how to run a membership in mind body. And I could either say, I'll just do it myself. I got it. No problem. Or I can take the time to record myself doing it, set up a standard operating procedure, make a post in our Slack group about it, make sure everyone's read it. Yeah. It's easier for me to just do it myself, but then the problem persists. So the most important thing is that when you fix something, you fix it for good even if it takes extra money, extra effort, extra time. Ooh, that is so good. It's so easy to think about putting out fires constantly. Oh yeah. And in a studio or any business, really, there's always going to be those. And it's so easy to think, I don't have time. I'll just do it. And you're, you're forever dealing with that problem. That's a big trap for me. That's a big trap for me. And I've realized over the years that the thought of only I can do this is actually a limiting belief. Oh, 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. That hit me pretty good. It's so true. And I think too, like when, you know, we come from like the, the yoga lens, we start, it's like, is that ego talking? Like, can no one else do this? Are they going to do exactly the way I'm going to do it? Probably not. They're, they could do it better. They could do it better. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) And and that's my goal in higher, you know, now my consulting business is growing and I'm bringing on more team members. And what I'm looking for is someone who can do it better than I can. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Just kind of like lead and get out of the way and let them, let them shine, you know, it's It's so true. Yeah. Everyone's happier that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love it. I love it. So you have amazing stuff out there. How are like, what, what's going on? What are the cool things that we can know about and how can we work with you? Oh, okay. Um, well, I've got a really exciting group program coming up, which I'm offering for the first time. So I've got, um, a signature program called the profitable studio strategy, which up until now has been high touch one-on-one coaching, consulting, done for you services, all kinds of good stuff. And I still offer that. And I still am totally head over heels in love with it. But I'm offering it in a group format now, which I'm super excited about because it's allowing me to touch uh, newer businesses, smaller businesses, and just a a ton more people. I'm like so stoked to to work with new business owners. Um, One of the positives from the pandemic has been that uh, now that we're two years in, we're seeing a lot of new businesses kind of rise from the ashes. And so in, in alignment with doing things right the first time, I'm like super excited to take these new studios under my wing and, and teach them how to build systems from the very start so that they're not, you know, struggling the way in a way that they don't have to. So that's exciting. And then I've got a webinar with Walla Software coming up on May. Oh, <laughs> Google Calendar, May 26th, I had it right, Um, where I am talking about sales. And I love teaching sales, especially to yoga people who hate sales, because um, usually when I say that word, I'm met with like people bristle a little bit, you know, they're like, I hate selling. But the way that I teach sales is a really nurturing process that is relationship-based where you are understanding your client, you're connecting with your client, you are educating and inspiring them, you're igniting some emotion in them. And then, yeah, at the end, you ask them to buy a membership from you after you've built trust. And so I love teaching that and I'm doing it for free on the 26th at 12 p.m. Eastern. Amazing. Okay. So we'll include links to all of that awesome stuff for sure. So people can follow along and how can we follow you by the way? Uh, the main place that I hang out online is in my Facebook group. It's called the profitable studio community. I'm in there live, um, at least twice a week, just sharing nuggets of information and what I've learned. And it's very raw and unfiltered. Yesterday I was uh, on the floor of my son's nursery. (laughs) live streaming, but, um, that's where you can kind of, you know, get a sense of my style and the types of recommendations that I might give and keep on top of what's going on in the industry. And then of course my website, NicoleDeAndreaConsulting.com. Beautiful. Okay. We'll also include that as well. Thank you so much for all of your incredible wisdom. This was super fun. My pleasure. It was easy. Oh my goodness. I loved that conversation so much. And I learned 
a ton from Nicole. I hope that you did too. Go give her a follow over on Instagram. It's at Nicole underscore DeAndrea underscore. You can also check out her website at NicoleDeAndreaConsulting.com and go join her profitable studio community on Facebook. That sounds incredible. I'm going to check it out myself. I learned so much from her and I hope that you did as well. Send me a DM on Instagram at JessicaCross.co. If you have something to say about this episode, I'd love to hear it. Or if there's something you're looking for, or in future episodes, always send that stuff my way. Sending you so much love. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Off the Mat podcast and give yourself some gratitude for taking action in your wellness business journey. Please share this episode with someone you know who could use a fresh dose of inspiration. And we'd be thrilled if you would rate, review, and subscribe to Marketing Off The Mat on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to share an idea with Jessica? DM her at jessicacross.co on Instagram to continue the conversation or find out how she can help you take the next right step in your business. Until next time, stay inspired and keep showing up.